What's up, everybody? Welcome to the State of Wild, episode 60, a regular YouTube video web series podcast thingy. My name is Meowth, and as usual, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Raffle and Corbett. How are you guys doing tonight? You know, I'm doing good. I've actually started climbing um, in an upward direction on the ladder this past week. I've uh, I found a good middle ground between fun and uh, viable decks that uh, don't get farmed completely by warlock so uh you know i i actually had a pretty good week in terms of uh the hearthstone wild ladder experience i know that's not been everyone's uh experience but uh for me it was pretty fun found some uh some interesting decks that uh i enjoyed playing yeah i've also managed to find a middle ground where half my blood right now is just caffeine um i was up last night watching the masters tour which started at about like 1 a.m my time so we're copied up we're prepared uh to talk about all the wild that i personally haven't really been playing that much this past week yeah i have been playing a lot of deck roulette i've like come back to the deck roulette it was a struggle guys it was a struggle to find 27 decks that were like viable and that was me including stuff like ignite mage and pillager rogue and decks that aren't very good um and then I had, like, three different versions of Pirate Warrior, so I, it was a stretch to get to 27, but uh, we did it, and we've been playing some deck roulette, which was, uh, which was fun this week. The problem is you left out uh, Taunt Hand Buff Warrior and Aggro Reno Rogue. Those are the, mm. those are the two that you were really missing. Really would have uh, propelled you over the top. Into Taunt the, uh... Hand Buff Warrior. Yeah, yeah how did the, uh... oh, I hit someone on turn eight with a double gnome. Uh, both of them at uh, 15 attack. Uh, just OTK'd from turn, I think, turn 8. Um, and it was the most satisfying... Very first game I played with the deck is the most satisfying thing I've ever done in Hearthstone. Yeah, that, how did the Pillager Road gameplay go for you? I, I assume that went fantastically, right? Well, I high-rolled and didn't actually roll the Pillager Rogue, so... Oh. Didn't have to play it. Well, Easy. damn, okay. I was going to definitely have to go back and watch the board. I thought that would have been a deterring, <laughs> but I'm not Well, I was going to say, I need to also make a note now to like, make sure I check out Ruffles taunt hand buff warrior video when that comes out mm. because that sounds spicy super spicy <laughs> um but yeah i mean let's go ahead and get into the uh, the episode this week right uh we do have some housekeeping stuff to take care of uh so of course first things first if you guys are enjoying the content whether it's on youtube or spotify whatever podcast distributor that you guys are using if you guys enjoy the content make sure you guys hit that sub button that like all that kind of good stuff uh it's a small thing but it does support us a ton you can also support us by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash state of wild. And I'd like to thank our two most recent patrons. Um, we have Michael Smith at the rare tier and Jeffrey Batomsky at the epic tier. So thank you both for your support. And of, and of course, when you join um, as one of the patrons, you get a whole bunch of benefits uh, when you come join the you know state of wild discord server and also anyone else can join as well the state of wild discord server great place to hang out talk about the game and uh yeah it's a great community all right uh so let's dive into it um i think we're going to cover news first today uh because the end of the episode is going to be a little bit more of an open conversation so let's start with the uh the news the the big stuff we had nerfs that happened like a week and a half ago didn't really do anything uh for the wild format um, and so we did get another tweet from Alec talking about how there are two more Warlock changes that are coming. Um, so they are coming on August 31st, so just in a few days, uh, and they're going to be mana changes. Uh, so they're going to be upping the mana cost on two cards, uh, primarily focused on the feels that these cards are causing. So I'm going to just start off by deferring to our resident standard player here, uh, Corbett. Um, I'm assuming... Yeah, just defaulting that these nerfs are based on standard, even though Wild doesn't seem like it's in the healthiest place with the Warlock. But uh, do you have any idea what these changes might be and if they're going to, you know, collaterally hit the Wild format? Yeah, I think there's like a near 100% chance that one of the cards is Stealer of Souls. Uh, I think that is basically a lock. And that's really what Alec is basically saying when he says feel, feels focused, because right now Stealer Warlock is... It got a lot of hype. Uh, at the very start, but it's trickled down from about 20% of play at high ranks to about 10%. But it is still, you know, very disgusting when the opponent, you know, does 50 mana worth of things on turn 5. That's that's for Wilder, right? Standard's not meant to do that. Um, so that's definitely one of them. As for the other card, um, they could go in a number of different directions. I imagine, if possible, they would like to fix wild a little bit as well right so there are a number of targets they might do flesh giant again 
Um, Flesh Giant is still the best Warlock card in Standard um, and in Wild, so they might just bump that up to 10. Uh, suggestion that I have heard is that every two weeks we just keep bumping the uh, the Giant up by one mana until it gets right. Um, so, you know, maybe eventually we get it to about 16 mana and all will be rosy. Um, but yeah, they could go after a number of other things as well. Uh, Touch of Nethrozam is another card that's performing very, very well. Um, certainly would help a lot, right, taking away that healing. So they have a few a few options, but one of them almost certainly Stealer of Souls. Yeah, Stealer yeah. Souls not going to affect our format, right? <laughs> no. No, that's kind of where my head was at, too, just uh, given my own experience watching Masters Tour and GM. Um, this seemed to be the, the, the highest likelihood cards in terms of their relative power level uh, or... As you mentioned, the, the feels of them. I think that uh, Rod is another one that hits the uh, the feels a little bit as well, and has some potential, and and even backfire just because of the, um, you know the, the combination of backfire with the uh, the rune mithril rod can feel like overkill at times, especially um, in D6 warlock at least in like the post dealer turns. Uh, it not only spikes damage but also gains you more cards. So um, I think that. I'm hopeful that you know it's that backfire is touched because I think it's an incredibly strong card in in wild as well. So that might make a dent, but um, you know, increasing the mana cost will touch the power level of will likely touch the power level of wild depending on which cards they hit, they hit um, of of warlock in um, in our format. But I don't know if it's going to be enough to like change the polarity associated with it, or even the population with Warlock. So I don't know that it's going to move the needle much, um, you know. And I would, I would. This is coming from somebody who expected the uh, the the last wave of nerfs to actually make a bit of a difference, and they didn't. So I, I you know, I'm a I'm a little bit pessimistic that it's going to be enough to uh, make much of a change in a wild. Yeah, I. Assuming one of them is Steeler Souls, that means we're getting one nerf, and because they are confirmed to be mana changes, we're not going to see anything like a rework to the quest or anything like that. Like a lot of people have been speculating, that's like something they might want to see, but these are mana changes, right? That that's not going to be a reworking of the quest or anything like that. Um, so I'm just going to throw out something that I'm super hopeful about. That's like 99.9% not going to happen, but uh, would like to gauge y'all's interest in this. You know, what if we also have a ban to the demon seed that happens with this change? Because it's not, he didn't say no bans, but he also didn't confirm a ban. I don't know, am I just being way too optimistic here? Yes, but um, I would be all for it. It's it's a thought that's crossed my mind as well, but I, I think that it's probably pretty unlikely. Um, but I'd be okay with it if it happened. Yeah, I, I think that rather than doing a ban alongside a Warlock nerf, they'd probably just nerf and then see if it's still a problem right like if they do up flesh giant or something else then i i I don't think it's very likely to get both at once um it is kind of funny that if stealer of souls gets reverted like or it gets nerfed there's no chance they revert a ban right like that's that's staying banned if it uh, just goes to five mana there's no way right there's no no chance right yeah 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 Um, i don't think so but we we say that but (laughs) (laughs) i i would highly doubt that if sealer went to five like However, if Steeler of Souls went to, like, 7 mana, or, like, even maybe 6, they might think about it, but, God, I really hope they don't. (laughs) Because it's it's kind of like only bad things can happen, right? Like, what is the upside? Oh, Steeler of Plot comes back, and then you're in the same situation a little bit, so, I don't know. They'll probably just wait until it rotates and change it or something. I mean, are you in the same situation, though? Because, like, uh, would you even play Steeler of Souls Warlock at 4 mana in the current metagame? let alone at five or six mana with a with a plot twist like is it that's not fast enough anymore i'm picturing mithril rod into plot twist and then <laughs> like discounting like a whole bunch of stuff I, I don't know in that kind of deck but i don't think i don't think you're wrong right i don't think it would be strong but um i also think it would make a lot of people very angry if uh yeah. even if it wasn't very good yeah. so yeah. It, it's just kind of a bad look regardless but i think that like yeah if things don't change by rotation which is a long ways away and things are likely to change then but potentially only get faster like maybe they just don't touch stealer or after they do touch stealer they just allow it back into wild after and revert the ban when it rotates like i don't know things are things are pretty crazy right now in terms of the uh, the <laughs> the relative speed uh, for the format that we're compared to what we're used to so i i don't know it's a, like 
the the problem with Steeler in the past is that it was way too fast in terms of the the combo and the uh, either the mana that it could cheat or the combo that it could pull off. Now it's like, well, turn seven, why am I waiting that long to kill my opponent? Uh, I'm potentially already dead then. Yeah, that's kind of crazy that we're talking about how Steeler Souls, like this obscenely powerful card from a month and a half ago, we're talking about yeah. like it being too fast or too like the yeah. meta being too fast for that deck. Like that's crazy I, to me. That was one expansion ago. No- was it even? Or was it, it was the mini set. set, so it was like two yeah, months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's insane, right? Bit of whiplash. Um, so these two changes are coming uh, August thirty first, and so they did say that uh, they're going to give it about ten days to decide if more changes are needed, and if more changes are needed, um, those decided changes will go live later in September. So probably like like the third week of September. So we, we would have a little bit of a gap there between some, you know, additional changes if like the change to Flesh Giant or whatever they hit doesn't hit Warlock a ton. Um and I'm gonna be a little bit pessimistic here. I, I didn't think that the nurse were gonna do anything to these quest warlocks. I was on like the opposite boat. I was like I I still think that Quest Lock was gonna be kinda busted. Still was. If they just make one change here, I don't even know. Unless they absolutely delete Flesh Giant, like they make it fifteen mana like I, I still think Questlock's gonna be absolutely insane, right? Um, like if they just make them one minute change, I, I, I'm not sure, because um, it just I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but it does feel like it's still just like much more powerful than anything that's not like a hard counter. So yeah, I I think if you delete, you know, one card from the deck, it still has 28 other good ones, right? Like uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced that there's any singular card that could be removed from the deck other than the Demon Seed that would, you know, that dramatically reduce its stranglehold on the metagame right now. Because again, it's it's not just its uh, relative power level, it's the, the popularity. The popularity is kind of, um, y- you know, entangled with the, uh, the power level, as we've talked about many times in the past. But like, um, you know, the, the polarity is still going to be there, even if you flat out delete flesh giant yeah i think um i don't know like if you if you get rid of the flesh giant build right and that only leaves the sort of the cataclysm approach um i think that deck is actually like not too i, like, I think it's on a very similar playing field as a lot of the other strong decks like quest druid or odd hunter even or shadow priest like i think it's not really that far away um the issue is you know just how polarized the deck makes the format right specifically uh and you know if that deck goes untouched via a flesh giant nerf um then the format probably doesn't change that much overall right just because it it does put that hard cap on things yeah all right we'll we'll dive more into this uh this conversation with warlock i think a little bit later in the episode um but want to touch on some of the other like big pieces of news uh mercenary is finally being announced right we're gonna have a kind of a reveal stream sort of thing for mercenaries uh also on the 31st uh and then i believe you guys said that it's coming out maybe early october uh for mercenaries so excited to see finally what this does yeah we, we believe so there's a lot of little leaked information things going on with mercenaries so i'm trying to remember but uh yeah yeah about, about mid-october unconfirmed unconfirmed we, yes. we tried to <laughs> confirm it before recording and could not so uh that's the only information that we have and it was it was leaked through the official channels, but like again, it's that is subject to change. So don't don't request time off of work just yet, but maybe jot it down on your calendar in pencil. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to see uh, what Mercenaries is going to be. Right, like it's been so hyped up for a very long time. Um, they announced this like what four or five months ago, six months ago, um, and so. Or, no, this was the end of last year, right? It was supposed to come in, like, phase three of last year, I believe. Yeah, they they considered it a new game mode, and then they, I believe they unveiled the name and everything with uh, BlizzCon, or when mm-hmm. when that happened, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but BlizzCon was uh, delayed last year, so it was actually, I think, at the beginning of this year. So it has been a, a few months mm-hmm. coming. We're expecting it a bit sooner. They've clearly been working on it for a while, because they you know had at least some uh indication of what it was and some um you know stills of the gameplay um not gameplay actually but like the the maps and whatnot during the uh the reveal but 
soon we'll actually get to see what the, uh, the the proper gameplay looks like because I think there's been a lot of uh, mystery surrounding that. So um, hopefully we'll get a good sense of uh, how you actually play the game mode and uh, what you know that'll be a good assessment of uh, whether or not you personally will will like it if you can you know actually see it in action. I'm looking forward yeah. to it personally. Yeah, my my expectations are pretty sky high to be honest, um, which isn't good, right? Like low spect expectations are indeed the key to happiness, yeah. but. I think with like the standard they set with Battlegrounds, right? Like Battlegrounds was such a such an amazing hit and such a, a deviation from what Hearthstone was previously. The it kind of it does set the bar extremely high, I, I think. Yeah, because they did mention that unlike duels, this is really meant to be a mm -hmm. like separate tier of game mode on par with uh, both Battlegrounds and just Cardstone, I guess you could call it, <laughs> uh, regular old um, manual Hearthstone. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if it, again, I think a lot of people share that, those high expectations after, um, Battleground. So it'll be interesting if they can live up to that. Yeah. I mean, I, after duels, I'm not expecting anything. Like I know we had Battlegrounds, but after I got excited for duels and that kind of crashed and burned, I am, I'm the opposite of Corbett again, down expectations. I have no expectations. I'll see the gameplay and I'll get excited for it. But right now I've got absolutely nothing we'll talk about it i guess next week once we actually like see everything on tuesday and then we all get excited and we can talk about it then and like <laughs> how we're all quitting wild for it and we're gonna change the name of the podcast but <laughs> in fairness i think duels is pretty much where it was expected to be it's kind of like a arena tier uh gameplay people still do dual runs and it's still like not a bad like if you're good at the game mode you can you know earn some gold and you're while well, having a, a good time and playing some broken combos and shenanigans but I, I think it's about where they were probably anticipating it would be if not maybe a little bit lower but it's not it wasn't meant to be a battlegrounds level like disruption i i think well Rafa, where were you earlier because uh meowth and i we we got so hyped about duels when uh it was all coming out and stuff we were so high on that uh we were higher on duels yeah. than we were deck of chaos if that tells you anything my god that's high jesus that's unreal. <laughs> i'm just telling the truth man i'm just telling the truth that's how high we were on duels and then i played mm -hmm. it for a couple days and i was like all right nobody else is playing this so i'm <laughs> i gave it i gave it three hours and then i was yeah. like mm. <laughs> i think i'm done here okay well, well meowth if if duels or if uh if mercenaries doesn't live up to the uh, the hype then then you can throw this back and it'll be me it'll be me with egg on my face and corp he's always there yeah always there yeah, always <laughs> well see now i'm not hoping for it to crash and burn but i'm not saying it would be a bad thing if i finally had something mm. to rub in ruffle's face so <laughs> all right um so the last little bit of news here uh of course we have xr's q a right the the content machine that is xr um, so let's just cover a couple of really, really quick tweets that he uh, had in his recent Q&A. Uh, so the first one is actually related to the nerfs that came out a week and a half ago. Um, the question was asked, do you ever pick your nerfs in regard to the dust rewards that may be given out to players, or is the rarity of the cards nerfed irrelevant in balanced talks? Ixtar confirms what I think we have known for a very long time. I don't even know if he... I'm pretty sure he confirmed it himself in a long time ago. But now we have current further proof for us to shove in Twitch chat's face where he says that it's irrelevant. The team that makes balanced decisions is completely separate from any of the teams that deal with the in-game economy. I am shocked. I am baffled by this uh, by this answer. This is definitely not what I was expecting. And every nerf hasn't made pretty much perfect sense in regards to just how they work as cards and nothing to do with the rarity. I am unreal. <laughs> this, this is also true just of like any gameplay decision though like it's independent of the the economy of the game i think it's just one of those things that gets repeated on reddit so many times that people take it as gospel truth without like any evidence to support that other than people keep saying it so it's it's like this weird you know snowball effect that where people continue believing it to be true and repeating it enough that it like in some people's minds it becomes true but yeah like i I don't know. We've even seen it with the behavior of some of the cards that they've chosen to nerf have been of higher rarities when, you know, some of these lower rarity cards like Broom, for instance, have remained untouched. So, like, yeah, it's it's no surprise. And I think it's something that, like you said, has been answered before. But I guess it's worth addressing because it keeps coming up. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to bring it up because of YouTube comments and Twitch comments. Just they keep happening. So 
just further proof, guys, that this has nothing to do with the decisions they make. All right, the next one was a, uh, a gameplay question uh, that was asked that I actually found really, really interesting uh, that I wanted to talk about. So somebody, the old version of Mistcaller that wasn't printed, um, like the current version of Mistcaller is like a six mana four four, give all minions in your hand and deck plus one plus one. It's unplayable, right? Don't worry about it. But this tweet said uh, there was this old design of Mistcaller uh, that was scrapped due to it changing the nature of Hearthstone. And since Hearthstone has changed a lot since the Grand Tournament, uh, could an effect like this find a home in today's Hearthstone and what class? So the scrapped version of Mistcaller was a 10 mana 7 7 with taunt. When you take fatal damage while this is in your hand, prevent it and summon this. So kind of like a pseudo ice block surprise effect kind of card. Um, and then Ixa replied, cards like that don't get made because they surprise players in a way that makes them think they don't understand the game anymore. If you attack an enemy hero and this happens, it sends the message that it could happen against any class at any moment. Um, so basically, no no trap cards, right? <laughs> or, or anything like that. Um, I'm interested in y'all's opinions about this, because I think this card is sick. Like, I like cards like this, but I also can kind of see Ixar's reasoning as to like why they don't want to introduce this kind of kind of card uh, for the more general you know population. No, the card is objectively awesome. Like, it's a really interesting, cool design. Um, the problem with it is that, like, first of all, in our format, this is going to be coming down very early in the game, and not only is it going to be a big surprise, it's going to be way too many stats coming out for free. So, like, I, I think that there's, uh, you know, some concern there just in terms of uh, what it does. There's the, like, you know the polarizing nature of did i draw it in time before i died and like what can i do after this how much mana did so i mean there are a lot of things to consider like you know maybe not in this exact thing but i think that there's something about or to um what xr is saying beyond just like the words and numbers that are on this card that hearthstone is very good at um providing information uh to to both players um things aren't necessarily face up all the time but like you have the information that you have that you need in order to make decisions most of the time it's not perfect information like a game like slay the spire or even chess where you know everything is face up but um w you know with things like secrets you know that they um that that they're in play, you know that you have to play around them. You know the your range of decisions that you have to, um, you know, choose from. With this, it's just kind of like it is a big surprise. You bash your opponent in the face. You think game over, and then surprise, you know, you've got a seven-seven taunt to deal with. So that would be a really, really feels bad, man, um, situation to play against, even if it feels really good when you do it. So I can understand his reasoning on this. Yeah, this is sort of the defensive version of really what they've been pushing in terms of like offensive uh, win conditions, right? Like they want the quests to be things that players can see and that build up over time. They want Cthulhu to be something like that. Um, they they don't want uninteractive Leroy Jenkins OTK 30 damage from hand type stuff. And this is just the same kind of thing with a, a defensive kind of uh, take on it, right? Where, yeah, you don't, you don't get to see it coming. I, I still would like to see them. I I know that their design philosophy isn't, but like, I don't know. The trap cards are like my favorite part of Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, ah, nah, dude, you don't get to do that. Here's this, right? Instead, um, I, I, yeah. But they're I, I don't know. I mean, secrets are. I didn't play Yu-Gi-Oh, so I'm I'm not well versed in trap cards specifically. But like, um, I, I feel like there are better ways for Hearthstone specifically to do things like. Uh, response cards or instant cast type things than just you killed me just kidding now I have a board lead like I, like that this specifically is kind of bad and I think that even even outside like the surprise nature of it um, it when the game should be ending is I think the the big oof with this card in particular all right so the next question is a is a wild specific question here. Uh, talking about rotation, so when will cards ever receive nerfs when they rotate to wild only instead of buffs and restorations? So Ixer says maybe, but that does seem strange, because if a card was a problem enough that we'd nerf it when it went to wild, we'd probably have already nerfed it or banned it in wild while it's in standard. So that's interesting. I A cu couple of cards are coming to mind as to like 
reasons that this question might have been asked. So, like, stuff like Raised Dead and Broomstick, cards that are not issues in Standard, but are, like, have been very, very powerful for a fair bit of time in in Wild. Um, I don't know if it's just linked to Dark Glare, but Broomstick has been kind of busted in other decks. But I think cards like that that are not insanely synergistic or powerful in Standard that are pretty damn powerful in Wild. I think it's the idea behind this question. Um, and so is that something you guys would like to see ever? You, yeah, I was kind of confused about the initial question too, but you brought up some good points. I think Black Mage, uh, Ancient Mysteries are other examples of um, you know similar situations that we've had in the past. So it's certainly possible that you know, it's not necessarily just the raw or inherent power level of a card the uh, the synergy associated with other cards that make it strong and wild at times so um i, I could see that happening but i it, it also doesn't seem like he's um you know not open to the possibility of changing a card in either direction when it rotates because i mean what's the difference at that point so i don't know yeah i mean this is kind of weird to me just because it's it's kind of what a band would be right like a band basically replaces this um, because if it is a problem enough to... If it is a problem in Wild and not Standard, then you ban it. And if it's not enough of a problem where you don't want to ban it, then that's just the kind of... That's not really the changes they tend to make for Wild, mm -hmm. right? They don't tend to make very, like, curated balance changes. I don't... I, I mean, I think they, they could. They should, maybe. <laughs> but um, that's not what they've traditionally done. And so, yeah, I, I just don't really think this is ever something that would pop up. It would, it would have to be... I can't even imagine, like, the scenario where they really want to go this route based on precedence well i would assume it would be on like cards that were released prior to the introduction of bands right so it would be nothing that is printed like now forward uh, but wouldn't they just like re wouldn't like if something was an issue they could just ban it now like even if it's already come out previously they, like they they could just ban dark Lair right now if they wanted and not nerf it or burn it or like yeah something like that i mean i guess, I guess. So, like, what's the difference well, I guess the yeah. difference would be that, like, we've played with these cards for a year and a half, and, like, nerfed versions would still be, like, strong and playable. They just wouldn't be, like, as insane as they are. But, but Meowth, Wild is the place where you get to play all your favorite old cards. So, I don't... Yeah, and you still <laughs> get to play them. Kinda, so, kinda, instead of, of having them banned, right, yeah, you still get to play them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very... It's a curated experience. Like, it's a yeah. curated... They're trying to, like, actively change the Wild format to balance it and things like that but that's not really something that they really do yeah unfortunately but uh i don't know i'd be interested to see if there's ever a case i i doubt there was but it was an interesting thought experiment like, yeah, yeah if there are other like suggestions like i think flag mage is like a, a potential example of a card like that right that when it was released it still does nothing in standard secret mage has not been a thing in standard forever right but they printed hey, it and we were just hey, like secret mage Secret Mage was actually good there for like there was a, there was a tiny little patch there. Where Secret Mage was actually okay a few months back. I must have missed it, dude. It must have been when I like completely didn't pay attention to Secret. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he just blinked. Is all. Yeah, That's yeah. it's okay. Me up. No one, none of the standard players recognized either. It was one of those classic uh, solid decks that like point three percent of the play rate uh, player base is using. So. Hashtag even power Sorry. indeed. Yeah, so, one of those. Alright, um, this one I included to talk about just for, for Raffle. Okay, just for Raffle. Um, but Amic, a friend of the podcast, asked the question, would it be possible to change all the old Burgle Road cards to the newest designs? So basically changing it from a card from your opponent's class to a card from a different class. Uh, Ixa replied, reasonable question. Whenever we think about changing old cards, there are unintended consequences of the decision, but I'll bring it up with Alec Raffle. You might be getting some huge buffs to uh, to Burgo Road coming soon. Necessarily call it huge buffs. I would just say that like it takes away some of the really really bad feeling that you get queuing a Burgle Road Rogue with old cards into another Rogue, and like there like what's the point of academic espionage at that uh, at that point? Like you just kind of get punished for running those cards in your deck. Blink Fox could, you know, be a little bit more relevant. There are a lot of reasons that, like, I, I think that this is just the way that they clearly want to go with the Burgle mechanic. So just retroactively change it, and I'll give you, I'll send you a Christmas card. How about that? Uh, yeah, this, uh, this feels more like a mechanic change than like 
a card change, which is yeah, should be universal, right? Like a mechanic change should well, affect all uh, affected cards. So, they could totally yeah, they could totally make it like a, a keyword, right? Like burgle, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just get a card from your opponent's yeah. class. I mean, so, I, I call them on. buffs because I feel like you play Burgle Rogue to have fun, right? And you're gonna have a hell of a lot more fun and want to keep playing the deck if the Burgle Rogue cards work this new way instead of the old way. So that's why I call them buffs instead of like a mechanic yeah. change. But yeah, <laughs> I'm all for the Burgle keyword simply because then the card Burgle would just have the text Burgle and it would be <laughs> oh yes Burgle two cards. <laughs> uh, Dude, one of my favorite card arts I think I, I've ever seen in Hearthstone, by the way. Non sequitur. Burgle, Burgle card card art. Some of the best. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, it it kind of makes me want uh, some cheeseburgers, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. How many people are going to get that reference? That's Only that's Americans. Reference. Only Americans. <laughs> I mean, Corb, did you get it? Do you understand? Uh, the Hamburglar? Yeah, 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 we have it. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 don't worry. He made it all the way here as well. <laughs> um, all right, last question, and I and I purposely did this one last because I feel like it's going to lead to uh, to a potentially potentially good conversation here. Um, so the question was asked: Persistent effects seem to be a difficult space to work in. They lead to a sense of inevitability, especially in control matchups. A card like Demon Seeds feels a lot like Crystal Core, a card which saw a lot of iterations. Would you agree that there are similarities? XR replies, there are definitely upsides and downsides, uh, presumably to persistent effects, right? Having direct objectives for a deck makes building that deck distinctly different than other decks before it. However, if you pay a steep cost in deck construction, you should be rewarded appropriately. Appropriate rewards for steep de deck building costs need to be quite large. So large, they are usually game ending. I don't think this means that these styles of decks should never exist, but there is a reason we don't do quests with huge rewards every expansion. So I I have some some thoughts about just kind of persistent effects in general that are that are game ending, but I'm interested in y'all's thoughts at least on Ixar's replies here first. I don't think that there's anything inherently um, bad about persistent effects or anything that necessarily even uh, limits control matchups necessarily. I mean we we've had examples of those that um, don't necessarily do that in something like frost ledge jane now that's a beloved card that has a persistent effect of giving your elementals lifesteal i mean that's you know that fits the description that xr gave that it's just you know powerful theoretically game ending in some situations because it allows you to recover your life total um but i don't know i think it's just the power level of um the persistent effects that were mentioned in crystal core and um the demon seed that they i think they're just too strong and too quickly end the game or in the case of um uh the caverns below gave you just too much late game value that couldn't be matched by quite literally any other deck in standard at the at the time uh, when it was you know or at least late game uh, couldn't be matched by any late game strategy uh, in standard at the time. Yeah, one thing I would maybe deviate from Mixar though is the the steep de deck building cost. I don't think there is that for uh, the Demon Seed Warlock. You you can make an argument that there was for uh, the Caverns Below because you were running a lot of like what looked like really bad cards. That's why people underrated it severely in um, the early or prior to Angoro being released. But like the Demon Seed, you're just you're just playing kind of good cards in warlock and maybe it's just because we have dealt with uh dark glare for so long that we're kind of uh you know used to those kind of cards and there's already like a shell of an archetype there but like I, it doesn't seem like it, it's being asked a lot uh for to, to run the d demon seed which just like chops down the game length yeah i think warlock is sort of um unique among the the quests where uh it's the only class with, like, a hero power that directly influences and, like, progresses the quest. And so you kind of just play a lot of time very normally, or you can progress the quest by just using that hero power and not actually investing cards. So there's sort of an inherent less... There's, there's inherently, like, a less of a deck-building cost because you don't need the cards to actually, <laughs> like, progress anything. Um, but yeah, as for, like, the persistent effects, like, I don't really have a problem with it. Like, what's the difference... Do you, do you think there's a real difference between, um, like, a late-game quest 
uh, persistent effect versus um, like uh, odd power and hero power. Like I know that's kind of a strange comparison, but like hero powers are sort of just inherently just like oh for the rest of your game every time you hero power someone an extra dude. Like they're not that different well, I mean, to me, even if they they take up different spaces, sort of. But, well, I would say the impact of the persistent effect, right? Like of a quest yeah. is much higher than the persistent effect of the hero power, right? Exactly. And so uh, I guess exactly, and the <laughs> well, it's also tied to like when they come online, right? Yeah, that's. Yeah, and so that's the difference, right? It has to be bigger and better because it comes on later. But I, I guess what I mean is that that just means that every persistent effect is tied to how fast you can do it and how strong it is. And so I don't think it's inherently a problem. Well, I guess my issue is with the persistent effects that, like, I I have issues with a couple of the quests that they've released, like just this expansion. So, like, it's not just, like, the Warlock quest, right? It's also the the Warrior one. It's also... Uh, the hunter one to a, to a lesser extent. I know I know hunter finally has like a viable deck that's popular, and I hate to like crap on it, but these they come online really quickly, right? Let's say turn five, turn six, and then like the moment they do that, they end the game, and so like there's no way for like I think my issue is is there's also no way to interact with persistent effects, and I think that's kind of the part that's the most frustrating about playing with these persistent effects is like we don't have ways to deal with that like okay let's say we stabilize after they played a tamsin or a tabish or a rokara now what like we can't do anything where like in in the previous expansions right like the warrior quest that had sulfurous like that hero power that was a pretty powerful you know effect that was meant to be a game ender but you could still kind of win the game right if <laughs> if you didn't have a persistent effect of your own which feels kind of really bad to play against. Well, I I don't I disagree because I I win many games when the juggernaut comes down. It doesn't feel that uh, oppressive, and in the same way that like if I recover against the initial onslaught of, of quest hunter, like they run out of gas and I'm you know able to continue stabilizing or finish uh, applying pressure. So. I, I think that there is an argument for the speed at which some of those do get online. But again, I don't think that the problem you're describing is inherent with the uh, the persistent nature of the effects themselves. I think it's the relative strength of them and how quickly they are established and in play. Like I the problem is they're just potentially too strong. I don't I, I don't know if I want to say that necessarily about the uh, the pirate warrior quest or the uh the hunter quest right now i think that um you know the latter especially is um benefiting from the prevalence of, of warlock right now and it feels a lot more beatable than people <laughs> seem seem to to think but um you know those i, I don't know it, it, i don't think it's the persistent nature of the effect rather it's just that they're strong cards and strong rewards for them is there um what do, what do you think of the comparison between like the death knights and the quest rewards right like in, in a in a slow matchup right uh like a guldan and the guldan hero power and the idea that you can never really pressure and outlast the guldan hero power or the anduin the anduin comes down all of a sudden every single card they have deals like two damage um there's not really that much of a difference to me between something like anduin and uh Prakara in in pirate warrior yeah they're different but like they they're just late game bombs that both generate a ton of value <laughs> and uh, tempo, um, and I, I just don't think there's necessarily that much of a, a difference in the sort of late game uh, gameplay that they force necessarily. So I don't know. Like I, I think that's fine, and um, it's a specific. Like there's yeah. a lot of quote unquote persistent effects and like things that. Fair enough. I, I guess my like, main so issue yeah. with. My main issue with the quest is, like, you can't interact with the quest <clears> itself because we don't have, like, a quest eater, right? We don't have one of those. And then... We also shouldn't. That would be yeah, I know. We shouldn't. I'm saying, like, we don't have any way to interact with the quest, right? That's... Like, we, we don't have any way for them to, to not... To disrupt them having the quest, right? And they, they progress and they complete their quest. And then, generally, a lot of people, you don't have any way to interact with that... They complete the quest and play it in the same turn. And once they play it, you, you can't interact with that persistent effect. And I think that's kind of my main issue. Is like, at least with Gul'dan, right? You can clear the board, okay? 
and then it's a hero power that they only get to use once a turn and it the impact of that hero power compared to the impact of Rokara. Rokara's impact is like 10 times better than the Gul'dan hero power, right? I think so. I think Rokara is absolutely busted. Um, and then, like, Anduin... Anduin does also, like, it's really small window to interact, but you have, like, people were doing it with Finley Wizard and stuff like that, right? I, I think a lot of my frustration, personally, I, I know the power levels, and I, I know that's a different discussion, I I know I'm playing Hearthstone, and Hearthstone has limited ways to interact with your opponent anyways, but I think the most frustrating part about these is these game-ending effects. They come out, and I have no way to stop them from doing their game-ending thing, right? I think that's kind of where my frustration comes from. I think that, yeah, there there is some, I think, uh, weight to your, your argument that, like, the, the lack of interactivity is there. Maybe less so with the Hunter Hero Power, because the Hunter Hero Power is just Rods of Breeze, but faster. I think the speed is what makes it less interactive because you don't have the time to draw the the cards that could potentially um you know counteract that and on top of that you don't you can't play the decks that can run the cards that can counteract that because of uh the the nature of um you know warlock right right now because you know you'd be crazy to be running um you know finley wizard in a uh reno deck because you'd be kind of crazy to be running a, a, a reno deck right now i think with um Rikara, yeah i i I don't know that I would say that her impact is greater than uh, Gul'dan's uh, necessarily, but there is certainly more counterplay just because of the you can't do anything about the Juggernaut once it's in play, and because they're completing their quest line so quickly, you can't ever really expect to Dirty Rat or Mutanus a um, a quest reward. Whereas you can, you know, you can polymorph demons, you can um, you know shuffle them in with Psychic Dream or whatever the case may be. Uh, so there is some amount of interactivity there that, you know, in part because of the speed at which they're online, just isn't possible with uh, with a quest line rewards. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But, I, I again, I don't think it's the, the fact that the Juggernaut is blasting you in the face uh, for a, a couple times or summoning a pirate every turn is necessarily, like, I don't know, that problematic. Maybe I've just have had my opponent's... Equipped too many curse blades recently, but like it, uh, I don't know. I don't think that I think the effect that it's doing is probably too powerful for how early it gets online, but I don't know if it's necessarily like there are a lot of situations where Gul'dan just ends the game because you just hit him on the backswing and they're dead. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm i just saying this because, like, I in my I had a couple games where like I was able to ban Warlock right in a, in a competitive setting. I was like, okay, I can beat the Pirate Warrior. I have a couple of slow decks. It's fine. And then they just, like, play Rokara on turn six. And even though they have no cards in hand, right, I am getting out value by the single card that I didn't have any way to interact with, right? And so I feel like it these persistent effects, probably because of the speed that they come online, and I, I will concede the fact that that's probably a huge factor in my feeling about these. But when it feels like an aggro deck just shoves the quest in their reward, and they just kind of automatically get to out-resource and out-tempo any control deck no matter what, right? Unless that other control deck is also running a quest. But then it becomes like, hey, who gets their quest online faster? It's probably the aggro deck that's running more low-to-the-ground pirates, right? Rather than, like, the Reno Pirate Warrior or the Odd Pirate Warrior. Does, does that make sense? And so... Yeah, the the quests, you know, obviously they're designed for standard, but I think that there the the very specific uh requirements of each quest um when it comes to wild things kind of just break open right like we're not meant to have secure the deck and claw you know like like the druid quest isn't really balanced around that um and the same thing for the pirates right like we're not meant to be able to play out a, an aggro pirate deck that completes the quest in turn five plays recar on six that's just not how they were really made for standard um and so in hindsight, it is kind of like I'm looking back and I'm thinking about my like card reviews. It's like, why was I so low on these things? Like, why did I not sort of inherently see what was going to probably happen with a lot of these quest rewards? Because with the card pool being what it is, uh, of course they're going to come online just lightning fast. And uh, I just, yeah, probably just underestimated I think uh, it, just how good they were. Yeah, I think the speed at which they get online is it is hard to gauge without playing them, though. Be, especially when the you know the, some of the quests that we've seen in the past have had similar numerical requirements, like uh, Awaken the Makers, for instance. You know, 
Seven. That's you. You'd think, well, de seven death turtles. That's about the same as what like seven pirates that you have to play for, uh, the pirate warrior. But it's just not <laughs> like um, <laughs> yeah. You know, pirates are really you know tend to be low cost. There is also the addition of uh, not only anchor, which draws you in more of your pirates, can be drawn off of the quest, um, or the the initial quest line, and then also the introduction of the uh, harbor scamp, which just like they're not running out of pirates until they've all they've dumped them and Rokara into play. So yeah, the the I, I think a lot of what you're describing is really the the speed at which they get that in game in in play. And that applies not only to, to Pirate Warrior, which we've been kind of fixating on, but also uh Quest Warlock. The speed at which that can get online is much quicker in wild than it is in standard because of the you know plethora of uh synergistic cards in the format same applies to to hunter like uh what is it uh twin shot or whatever the yeah, uh, ra rapid fire ra like rapid. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah quest line of tier one tier one and standard if uh rapid fire exists like yeah an opponent draws two rapid fires against you and you just you just throw your hands up and you're like well i guess i'm i'm kind of dead on uh turn five or six depending on whether or not they have the coin so yeah i, th I think it's um, you know, we've we our assumptions were a little bit biased by the seemingly slower rate at which these quest lines, which have multiple stages, would be online compared to the already slow quests that are you know not really all that playable in in wild at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll leave this conversation with like one hot take: like if Demon Seed gets banned or like completely deleted because of nerfs. I think stuff like Pirate Warrior and the Quest Hunters are still going to be Omega busted because control decks, right? The the Odd Warriors, the Dead Man's Hand, the Arena decks of the format just can't deal with those two decks. And, like, they can't deal with the inevitability. I, at least of Rakara. They might be able to deal with Tavish with stuff like Finley Wizard. Um, but, like, <laughs> I'm a little bit scared. Like, even if they do ban Demon Seed, I think the concept behind these quests of, like, this I win button, I know I can see it coming, and that makes it even scarier because I know that I'm dead the moment this thing is complete, right? And, like, they always have it in hand. It leads to very samey games, right? Where Pirate Warrior, the only thing you're doing is you're spamming one and two cost pirates until you can play Rakara, you play Rakara, and then you win, right? It, that's really what it feels like. Every game is the same, and it, I don't know. I The longer I've spent playing against these quests, the more, like... I really dislike how a lot of them, like, I was initially really hype about their design until I realized, like, what they were actually doing to the, <laughs> to the format. Like, Quest Warlock aside, right? I just, I don't know. I'm not, not super hype about the, uh, the Quest Rewards kind of in hindsight in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, um, I think and... they're really cool in standard. I, like, <laughs> like standard's really fun. I've been playing a lot of standard and I think it's, uh, I think it's an awesome place, but, uh. Or, or, it has some issues, but I think it's overall been pretty good. I, but, and yeah, um, I don't think people realize maybe just how busted Pirate Warrior is. Like, that that deck is insane. Like, like I was saying earlier about Warlock and, you know, whether it's problematic uh, after the nerfs. Like, Pirate Warrior is sort of... Uh, it, it's almost just as good as Warlock. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. I, I was, I'm so sad, man. I was so hype on, like, Reno Pirate Warrior and Odd Warrior because I thought the quests were going to take a while to complete. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. it'll be it'll be fine, right? Like, even if the other Pirate Warrior has the quest, you're not going to run it because, like, it's too slow for normal Pirate Warrior. Mm. No, it's not. And so, <laughs> and then, like, you can't play Reno Pirate or Odd Pirate Warrior because the, the regular Pirate Warrior just completes the quest and has, like, that late game engine that provides an insane amount of value every turn online just way faster than you do so in odd pyro where you get to make up ground because you have bran rokara for mm. two juggernauts and i gotta tell you i haven't tried that early on in the expansion it is pretty satisfying but yeah no <laughs> things are way too fast for that right now <laughs> um okay and then to wrap it up i know we said we were going to try to aim for a little bit of a shorter episode this week but we're already at like a very long time so yikes but uh i did we did want to have one last little conversation here uh kind of touching on what we kind of touched on at the end of last week where i interrupted corbett when he was in the middle of making a point about uh kind of the inevitability of the wild format and we've kind of been talking about it already um so like i think 
a point keeps getting circulated where like wild is a legacy format right it's an eternal format eventually things are just going to become aggro combo right because we've seen that happen in other card games specifically like Yu-Gi-Oh and magic are the two that i'm thinking about um and the more that i more that i think about it the more that i like don't think that has to be the inevitability uh for a couple reasons uh one we touched on this whole like aspect of interaction right where eternal formats and magic yes can be super combo focused and super aggro focused but they don't completely dominate the meta because you have you have stuff like thought seeds you have hand disruption you have counter spells you have ways to interact with your opponent doing their combo right early on in the game Hearthstone doesn't have that right we have dirty rat which is super inconsistent we have Lothab that's like not even that good right now because it's a turn five play right we don't we don't have ways to disrupt like we do in other card games and like the second thing is Hearthstone's a digital format right we don't have to follow you know the trends that other games have followed just because the other games have done it you know like i corbett was kind of alluding to this earlier i think that their hands-off approach that i think it's gonna kind of ruin the format long term like they don't have to be hands-off um if they don't want to and they don't have to and i would be totally down with a curating and and i know this is a whole completely different controversial topic but the reason i want to bring this up is like i don't think that they have to let it become an aggro versus combo format and i think if they do do that people are going to kind of abandon the format because you can already tell now just from like the inner like the responses that we see in twitch chats and in, on a reddit and on a twitter people don't like a super combo focused meta right people in general tend to not like it and i don't know if you guys feel the same way but i'm interested in y'all's thoughts and like maybe have a little bit of discussion about that but this is something that i've been kind of on on <laughs> in that mindset of like okay just because other games are doing it we don't have to right your hearthstone you've kind of bucked the trend before in multiple ways why can't this be one of those ways i guess a, a few thoughts on the matter i think i think you're right that it's it doesn't have to be an, an inevitability but if they don't make changes it will be just because of the na the nature of eternal formats it's not necessarily even just power creep it's kind of like we talked about with a card like like flak mage or secret mage is a great example of this in general it's not like broken cards necessarily it's synergistic cards that build up over time and i think the reason for the natural trend towards a faster meta game which you know benefits proactive decks like uh, aggro and combo is that when uh, when a proactive deck gets good new tools, it makes it faster because what it wants to do is get to its thing and get there faster. With control, it's reactive. So when it gets better cards, it gets better reactive tools, but like those don't necessarily make it realize its game plan any faster, which make it hard to keep up with the speed at which those decks are aiming for. So I don't, I honestly don't know how to, how to solve that problem without like, you know mass changes to the format or to to cards because like again it's not necessarily just broken cards a lot of the things that break in wild aren't terribly relevant in standard we've talked about broom we've talked about dark glare we've talked about you know raised dead and all all of secret mage um so it's not that just that those are very powerful cards they're very powerful powerful cards for the format so they would have to have like an independent team looking at the format in order to keep that in check uh the one thing i would i guess push back on a little bit is that the assumption that people don't like that type of format um and there is a population of people that do like that's certainly the case because those formats exist in other card games and people play them and people play the decks that people complain about in the wild format as well. So there's clearly an audience for that. It's just a matter of, is it bigger than the audience for Hearthstone specifically that wants to have that board-based combat? And I would probably lean towards no, because that's what Hearthstone has been, you know, for, what, five, seven years now, is um, a lot of minion trading. And that's what a lot of people expect for it. Now, that's just not really happening in the wild format right now, or apparently in standard, a lot, a lot of times that uh, that board-based combat isn't really there, and that gets old after a while as well. I think that just 
you know, repetition is for me at least, um, not something that I enjoy. So I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't see it changing anytime soon. And I don't honestly know what a good solution is that doesn't include like a mass overhaul to the format. Like I said. Yeah. When I, when I talk about it, you know, as being an, an inevitability, um, it's like, it's inevitability. It's an, it's inevitable based on current nerf philosophy, right? Like, like based on what they currently do, it's an inevitability. It doesn't have to be like, they can do whatever they want. If they want to go gut 120 cards, they could like, um, so, so that, that's more what I'm aiming at. Uh, it, it's a great point that Ruffin makes about, uh, the synergy, um, and the fact that aggressive tools, uh, tend to have a lot more upside in terms of synergistic, uh, they tend to have a lot more synergistic upside because how often does removal really have synergy with other removal? Like, does Defile ever really work out that well with other, like, control tools? Right? Defile's Defile. Um, and at a certain point, if the if the aggro decks vomit out, like, more stats than a Defile can handle, then it just sca scales worse over time. Like, it doesn't get better with more cards. Um, so that's a great point. Uh, as to, you know... Like, like, I don't know. Again, we can talk about the, uh, if it's always going to be like this, but it always depends on just how often they nerf things and what they do. Um, because to deny this sort of highly synergistic, highly, uh, aggressive combo-based meta, they do have to make things highly curated. Um, because ultimately what every deck is trying to do in Hearthstone is cheat mana, right? You're trying to do more stuff than you should quote-unquote be allowed to do whether that's a slower deck or a fast deck whatever you're trying to like get to a position and make powerful plays and powerful plays are inherently plays that you know cheat the curve <laughs> in some capacity um and so yeah it's a sort of a natural trend unless they uh unless they really step in just due to the synergy which is kind of what we we're talking about earlier with the quest right the, the quests are a great example of this highly highly synergistic uh deck building and, and cards and options that they have that don't exist in standard and that's just the same for all decks yeah i i will push back a little bit like i don't think you need to make like 100 something changes right like i think no that, that's yeah. extreme, I, I know that was an like, exaggeration yeah, yeah, yeah. right but yeah. like i think if we go back to forge and the barons before united and stormwind released right and we get this nerf to dark Lair and flush giant how much better would that metagame have been right like post dealer souls ban and then you nerf Dark Lair and you nerf Flesh Giant. Like, how much better of that format like would that format be? And so I, I don't think it has to be mass amounts of changes. I just, I don't know. I know this is not their philosophy. I know they've publicly stated this. I know we've talked about this on the podcast a ton. Where, like, their philosophy is hands-off unless something is absolutely broken or absolutely, like, terribly unfun to play against. And I think if you keep with that approach, my personal opinion is that every deck will become terribly unfun to play against. Right, and if every deck is terribly unfun to play against, what do you do? There are like there are like ninety one thousand Chinese players in Legend right now, or more. <laughs> they might be over a hundred thousand right now. They're like, and and even Wild right now uh, has I think over six k on NA or something like that. So it's like a lot of people still playing the format a lot. Like it, it looks like there's even more people playing right now than they did at rotation, um, which is kind of nutty. Like this seems to be a very successful <laughs> expansion in terms of. Uh, player engagement um funnily enough and so yeah i don't know like like i think this expansion is very polarizing not in terms of just the gameplay but in terms of the reception yeah. uh which is something that ixar actually mentioned in the ama that he did he uh he's talking about how this seems to be strange in how many people are saying it's their favorite or least favorite expansion but i think a lot of people are enjoying it even if you know some of the responses that you're seeing on reddit and twitter and twitch um push back heavily against it yeah, which are, they're negative echo chambers to begin with. So maybe, like, I, I do recognize <laughs> that when it comes to the sources. And I I, I will also yeah. concede that this might just be me. I personally don't like the combo decks. Like, I I always hate not having any ability to impact what's happening in the game. Um, and so when stuff like these quests happen, or when I get killed on turn four by a Malagos Druid, or turn four by a Pillager Rogue, like, those feel really, really, really crappy right um and i don't know like I, at least in like i play some of these eternal formats in magic right where there are a ton of these combos hell i play two combo decks right but part of that is, is like i know i am vulnerable to, to stuff like counter magic or hand disruption like and you have to plan for that and like it makes for much more engaging gameplay because it's not just 
oh, I get to just draw my cards and then I win on turn three. Like, that's not generally how it happens. Like, sometimes it does, but there there is disruption, and I just feel like there's none of that in Hearthstone. And I don't know how you introduce that to Hearthstone to stop this combo meta from becoming a thing with the way that it's currently built, right? The, with- the, the tax package, I, I think, is sort of the exception, right? Like, the posts and things that they've implemented. Uh, like, I've seen even Warlock currently running double Dirty Rat, double Cult, double... Uh, like weblord double watch post as like all these two drops and uh that's something that's been popping up recently and seems to be doing pretty pretty well um so maybe that's sort of hearthstone's version of it right like we can't have hand traps but maybe just more interaction in terms of those types of cards uh where we end up it would be nice to have some more early game disruption i think in general as well as early game disruption that doesn't rely on necessarily like sticking a minion for multiple mm-hmm. turns um so I, I would lean more towards maybe battle cry effects so that they have a more immediate uh impact because i i agree that disruption is you know at least a um you know potential sol- additive solution rather than um you know subtractive solution in terms of like nerfing cards because um it does give you some agency in games even if they are happening faster the problem with uh, a lot of the tech cards is they're too slow or too narrow so um i think with tradable that's opened up some possibilities but even like a, a viper on turn three first of all weapons aren't really relevant right now but like turn three is it's kind of slow but yeah I, I think that some amount of uh counterplay would um would be beneficial for it for the game i like I like the introduction of the tax package. I've been finding myself shoving it into more and more decks just because it feels good to slow down uh, games. Uh, to Miao's point, um, yeah, I think that this metagame is pretty polarized. I'm probably, you know, fairly... I, despite the fact that I said that I was enjoying myself this week, I think I just came off of a, a good run of uh, fun decks and good games. But as somebody who posts a video on a you know unique deck every day of the year i find it very limiting to come up with ideas right now more so than i have in other expansions simply because like we've talked about for the past few weeks that that window is really really narrow right now and so your options are are pretty limited for somebody like me that likes a lot of variety in not only not just the speed of games but like the the strategies involved the gameplay the play patterns all of that um it, it feels it feels pretty limiting as a result of um how things are trending right now yeah i i don't know this is probably never going to happen but i wonder if they could do something like wild wild and then like curated wild like don't touch the wild format as a separate queue and then like curated while with nerfs similar to like what they've done with classic right which was like all these unnerved cards you can play like og hearthstone i want to i want to be able to still play with all the cards and explore all the synergies and everything like that that's like what drives me to the format but i you know can't play such a huge chunk because all of these combo decks exist right and the combo decks kill me on turn five turn six and i can't do anything right i don't actually get to play the game and so I don't know. I, I wonder if they would ever do something like that or at least consider it. I Probably not, but... <laughs> I think that it, it kind of falls into the same vein as the uh, the rotating uh, formats mm-hmm. or uh, rotating sets, which I think would solve a large portion of the problem just because you wouldn't have the wide breadth of cards that give you those um, obscene synergies. The problem that I have with it is that like further dividing the, the player base... Um, you know is a is a real risk when wild already has a bit of a population problem um and uh, who knows what's going to happen after mercenaries or other game modes are introduced um you know in terms of where that's going to split the uh the player base and whether they honestly have the manpower to to curate a format as uh big as uh wild is right now um and will continue to be like that's that's a big ask in terms of um you know having people manage that like i don't i wouldn't even know where to begin and i play the format uh pretty much daily 
Well, uh, I appreciate you guys entertaining these uh, very philosophical questions about the format. <laughs> I just, they've been on my mind as I keep losing a combo this week. And I'm just like, oh, God. Um, so I appreciate you guys having this conversation. And hopefully those of you guys that are listening uh, enjoy the conversations as well. Uh, and let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with a lot of the statements that we're making. I know I know this is a very polarizing conversation, like just like the meta and just like everything else. Uh, so let us know whether you guys agree or disagree. I think it's a it's a really awesome conversation to have, even if, you know, I'm personally not expecting anything to significantly change uh, in their mindset uh, about the format. But uh, this was this was me, I think, just needing to get some stuff out. And uh, glad, glad, thanks for coming to my therapy session and, uh, you know, thanks for talking me through it. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for our episode today. Um, and Corbett and Raffle, thank you again for, for joining me this week. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. You can find me at RaffleHS on Twitter and Instagram and at Raffle on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find me at Corbett Games on uh, all those platforms. So that's Corbett Games. Yeah. And you can find me at get me out on twitch twitter youtube all that kind of good stuff uh again we appreciate all of you guys for listening to the end hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we will see you guys next time later